Welcome. You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Catholic News. My name is Chris Mahalik. The source of our program is denverycatholic.org. New retreat for engaged couples seeks to forge a lifelong connection with priests by Kevin J. Jones. Three parish pastors in Denver have put together a new Catholic marriage preparation retreat called Entrust that seeks to ensure engaged couples can form strong, lifelong ties with their priests, preparing them for the sacrament. We're really trying to form and forge deep relationships with all these couples. Father Samuel Moorhead, pastor of the Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, told the Denver Catholic, We're not preparing you for a day. We're preparing you for a lifetime, and we're not going anywhere. Father Moorhead has joined two other parish pastors to run the Entrust Retreat as a team. Father Daniel Ciucci of Most Precious Blood Catholic Parish and Father Nick Larkin of Assumption Catholic Parish. They have run the two-day retreat twice and plan another for November. Father Moorhead said that one aim of the retreat is to actually get to know our own couples better by personally investing in them and not outsourcing the retreats. This, he said, helps priests be a source of blessing and a resource for future encounters with God in the Church. The retreat aims to encourage engaged couples to continue to involve priests in their life once they are married. Father Moorhead's collaborator, Father Siuchi, told the Denver Catholic, What we want to communicate is that the priesthood is there for the couples when they're in need and before they're in dire need, he said. Much marriage counseling depends on the context and on the couple, he said. If a married couple is known and loved by the priest before they need any need for counseling arises, they can be helped even more. Like other marriage preparation programs, the Entrust Retreat features lay Catholic speakers like a psychologist and a financial expert. Two married couples also offer their testimony. Father Moorhead, while not wanting to be too critical of other marriage preparation programs, questioned whether church trends in recent decades have emphasized lay Catholic leadership in marriage preparation to the point that the priest's role has been diminished. In his view, many marriage preparation retreats lack the constant presence of a priest, and their speakers sometimes focus on practicalities of marriage and lack confidence in speaking on theological topics. The entrust approach seeks both to affirm the best of the practical and to address this shortcoming. It appears to be working, according to anonymous feedback from their April 2023 retreat, Personally, I have not interacted with a lot of priests when an unnamed bride-to-be said in a report and trust organizers provided to the Catholic Denver Catholic. This feeling of distance, she said, made it difficult for her to feel connected to the church. I think the biggest takeaway was just the interactions I had with all the priests and how loving and like normal people they are, the retreat participants said. It was just sort of life-altering for me to feel accepted in the church and connected to other people. The participation of the priests is key, and trust organizers said. 
We priests are present the whole time. That's probably the distinguishing factor, Father C.U.G. explained. We don't get dropped in for a half an hour talk or a prep speech. We're there. If we need to get pulled aside, we can be. We priests will roll up our sleeves, said Father Bohead. We're leaning back into this to form a deeper partnership with lay faithful in a preparation for the sacrament. Father Moorhead added that the entrust retreat takes a theological robust approach. He also outlined the entrust retreat's presentation and emphasis. The talks begin first with a presentation of the gospel, the kerygma. Most marriage prep retreats don't, he said. They don't presume to be evangelical and to want to draw people to the full expression of the Catholic Christian faith. The second presentation is about how to enculturate the Catholic faith into home life with a sacramental worldview. The third presentation focuses on marriage as a sacrament and how it should be lived from the beginning of the marriage on the wedding day and throughout the married couple's lives. A fourth presentation addresses the authentic good of sexuality, but with a robustly scientifically informed presentation. It also discusses temptations against marital chastity and the goods of marital uh, and the goods of marital chastity, Father Moorhead explained. We are trying to invite a couple to invite Jesus into their marriage, and we do that through living authentically our own vocation and allowing that to excite the couple to live fully and authentically their own vocation, Father Siuchi said. Then it becomes symbiotic. It becomes mutually life-giving. Engaged couples should learn to walk alongside their priest, he said, because a priest will be there on their wedding date when they want their child baptized and when they want to go to sacrament of reconciliation. If they go to church every Sunday, which church teaches requires, which teaching requires, they'll see a priest there too. But having those regularized sacramental touch points is not the same as knowing a priest, inviting him over, becoming friends with him, and allowing him to know you and your marriage more deeply and personally, Father Siuchi said. When a couple is preparing for marriage, they start to hear things that the church has been proclaiming all the while. But they hear them afresh and anew, he added. Marriage is such a personal sacrament. What we're trying to do is use this privileged time well because we have their attention. The next entrust retreat is scheduled for April 19th and 20th at Most Precious Blood Parish with the cost of $200 per couple. It fulfills the Archdiocese of Denver's marriage preparation requirement. Artificial intelligence, AI, can create religious images in seconds, but is it really sacred art? By Joseph Pernanchen of the National Catholic Register. Adjusting the drape of fabric just so on her artistic model, sacred artist Gwyneth Thompson Briggs continues painting with a stroke of oil paint here, a highlight or shadow there working to depict the latest saint for her artistic portfolio. Elsewhere, using algorithms and data points, a computer scans the Internet to create new art. Welcome to a brave new world, pitting processors against painters. Can you spot the style of Blessed Fra 
Angelico's celestial artwork? What about the hallmarks of Michelangelo or Raphael? Think you can recognize AI-generated art? The man versus machine contest is rampant today, even in the art world, as machines contend against flesh and blood human artists whose artistic ancestry harks back to, pro, to Fra Angelico, Michelangelo, Raphael, Jan van Eyck, Paolo Ver, Veronese, Johann Friedrich Overbeck, and many others. Social media is awash with machine-generated artificial intelligence interlopers. Some of these images can have a certain attractiveness in their own way with precise depictions of the Blessed Mother and Jesus and the saints, but a little examination soon shows they were not done by the hand and heart of a living artist. What is missing is art for art's sake. Other art can imitate a saint in what might suggest or mimic Renaissance style until too many appendages, d disturbing backgrounds in other eras ruin the aesthetic, not to mention the theology, because humans do not make the picture. AI generators on the Internet create when prompted to make a certain image or scene. In simple terms, AI samples from billions of images of photographs, art, and drawings by real artists that have been scraped from the internet into a huge database. Then, based on probability, the software, algorithms, and deep learning come up with something labeled art. Machines are not independently creative. Francis was the subject of AI-generated deep, deep fake images last year that showed him donning a puffy designer jacket on numerous occasions has shared his concerns about the potential for dehumanizing applications of machine learning theology, most recently in his January 24th message for the 58th World Day of Social Communications. While AI offers many possible benefits, he said it can't replace the wisdom of the heart that humans can seek and receive from God alone. Such wisdom, he said, cannot be sought from machines. What do artists think of this relationship between fine sacred art and AI religious imagery? How do they see this pitting of machine versus artist? Why is one far superior to the other? To begin, Gwyneth Thompson Briggs told the register, Sacred art is not a composite of popular images on a subject. Sacred art is the work of a trained artist cooperating with the grace of inspiration to create a visual description of a supernatural reality. Machines are purely material and therefore cannot respond to the challenge of communicating a supernatural reality with visual metaphor. An award-winning contemporary sacred artist whose work decorates churches, schools, and private homes Internationally, Thompson Briggs was commissioned in 2017 to create a painting for St. Augustine for Benedict XVI. She paints in the perennial Western tradition dedicated to reviving Renaissance and Baroque art to reveal the glory of God in the center of today's crisis. Kathleen Carr, president of the Catholic Art Institute, told the Register that AI 
creates images, but it's not really art since it lacks a human's imagination and hand in creating it. Sacred art is a human endeavor, and artists mirror God by being co-creators, bringing beauty and order into the world in architecture, beauty, and art. Far a classically trained realist, realist painter and illustrator, whose award-winning art has gained international recognition, pointed out that the earliest Christian artists were iconographers who prepared themselves with fasting and prayer before creating an icon, which they saw as a window into heaven. Importantly, this art requires an understanding of theology. Christian artists intend to make something sacred or reveal something sacred for the purpose of drawing the faithful into prayer, contemplation, and reverence and awe, she said. Furthermore, AI images she has seen often lack proper theological symbolism, a major glaring issue with AI sacred art. Plus, the, whole, the works are confabulation of various styles, some of which should be avoided, particularly photorealism or saccharine depiction. Catholic sacred art, she affirmed, needs to be created by human, particularly because sacred art requires an understanding of theology and Christian symbolism. A machine and computer algorithm can create an object, but it will never be art, as that requires the use of human hands, the imagination, sacrifice, and Daniel Mitsui told the register that the term AI art concedes too much does not believe what we are dealing with can properly be called intelligence or art at all. The Vatican commissioned him to illustrate a recent edition of the Roman Pontifical, the liturgical book that contains the rites and ceremonies. He sees intelligence acting as a bridge between individual and divine understanding between the world we perceive with bodily senses and the world as God sees it. AI does not have a God-made will or intellect, but works instead by weighing probabilities, he explained, attempting to build a bridge between a virtual world, one defined by database, and the world that human senses perceive. Carr explained that the AI programs can only scan available art and images, anything from Gothic art to movie stills of Jesus. It is indiscriminately collating Catholic images and symbols, but does so without an understanding of Catholic iconography and theology. And this is a more profound problem. Father Joshua Caswell, member of the advisory board of the Catholic Art Institute and superior general of the canons regular of St. John Cantius at St. John Cantius Church in Chicago, one of the most beautiful churches in the country and the spiritual home of the Catholic Art Institute, also emphasized the differences. Fine art is a profound offering of God to, to God, where artists dedicate their work as both a gift and a sacrificial act, he said. In contrast, AI art lacks this sacrificial dimension, even if it possesses aesthetic beauty. Similar to how the word becomes flesh, real fine art materializes into something tangible, always preserving the human touch. Additionally, John Paul II 
compared artists to priests, highlighting their role in making a sacrificial effort to bringing a divine vision into earthly existence. That is an impossible impossibility for AI. Plentiful peculiarities, too. AI religious pictures have glaring and obvious peculiarities, and even subtle ones that people should know of. Thompson Briggs finds many problems. To begin with, the image generated is digital, she said. The traditional find artist uses beautiful materials to acknowledge God's creation, oil, paint, marble, gold leaf, glass. These materials radiate beauty even before they are applied to a work of art. The next problem is that the popular images AI draws from are in such bad taste that the result is often saturated with the pastiche of Bougereau, Madonna's, Jim, Caviezel, Robert Powell, and Schmalzi superhero lighting effects, she said, adding that the advocates of AI's sacred art do not have good taste when it comes to traditional art. She emphasizes yet another bad influence, allowing the technology to have such a heavy hand in the creation of an image opens the door to influences beyond the sphere of the guiding hand and mind of the artist. It is reasonable to think that the demonic could use this art as an opportunity. Clark concurs. First, she finds many examples of AI-generated so-called sacred art with theological and anatomical errors. AI is notoriously bad at rendering hands and often results in distortions or outright errors in human anatomy and the human form. It is not uncommon to see images of Christ and a lady with six fingers or more, she said. But that's not usually the most egregious problem, which she explained is the lack of theological understanding. Cross saw one image in the form of the sacred heart of Jesus, where he was opening his tunic to reveal an illuminated cross, something that would never be in Catholic depictions of our Lord. That image was also rendered in style reminiscent of H.R. Geiger, an artist distinguished for his disturbing airbrush depictions of transhuman-looking creatures and dark, demonic-looking environments, hardly a style appropriate for depictions of our Lord, much less to have to draw the faithful to prayer and devotion. Yet some people have turned to what is called AI art via online art galleries and museums in New York City and Los Angeles have for featured AI art. Mitsui turned to St. Hildegard in Bingen's insight that can apply to all arts. She said that we carry within us a memory of Eden. The reason that a melody appeals to us is that it is like a distant echo of the voice of Adam before the fall. I think all art, whether musical or visual, is like this. It is connected to our nostalgia for paradise. Art, and particularly sacred art, makes people better by drawing them closer to, bl to blessedness. Ultimately, art comes from something larger than us, something that our fallen selves cannot fully comprehend. This cannot be reduced to numbers, and a computer fundamentally can only consider numbers. Thus, a computer-generated image cannot match a human artist, nor can AI religious pictures inspire like a painting by Raphael or Fra Angelico. Real art, crafted with love and sacrifice, holds a powerful impact on the viewer. 
clarified Father Caswell, when an artist creates from the glory of God, it is felt by those who have seen it, much like a musician composing a piece out of love. They pour and express themselves into it. The passion transforming into artistic expression comes through all other, all of their works. As an artist, Carr agrees, AI can generate Catholic-looking art that on the surface may appear appealing but will always lack the depth that comes from something created by human hands with prayerful intention, a profound theological understanding, and most of all, created with love, care, and sacrifice, which artists offer back to God for his greater glory and for the benefit of the faithful. For instance, Thompson Briggs said she tries to draw and paint from life when she could easily pull a photo off the Internet. I sew costumes for my models when I could just fake a bit of drapery and hope for the best. Every time I do things the hard way, though, I can see that it makes for a better finished product. Great art requires sacrifice. It makes sense that something as lazy as AI can never make great art. Second, Men's Leadership Summit to Equip Men to be Missionary Disciples by Aaron Lambert. Calling all men, the church needs you, your parish needs you, and other men need you. An upcoming men's conference seeks to equip men to become leaders and form missionary disciples using the proven spiritual multiplication method used by Fellowship of Catholic University Students of Focus. The second annual Men's Leadership Summit is happening on February 24th at Queen of Vietnamese Martyrs Parish in Denver. It will feature a keynote speaker, Father Ray Larry Richards, author of Be a Man, and Brock Martin, Senior Director of Regional Evangelical Evangelization for Focus. Archbishop Samuel J. Aquila will celebrate the opening Mass. Last year's summit focused on how to lead a successful men's group, and this year's iteration will built upon that theme by focusing on missionary discipleship. The theme of the second annual Summit Men's Conference is Missionary Discipleship, said Dan Donaldson, Vice President of Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. This is based off of Curtis Martin's amazing book, Making Missionary Disciples. In the book, he explains that a true missionary disciple of Jesus is someone who practices three habits, divine intimacy, authentic friendship, and clarity, and conviction for spiritual multiplication. Each of our keynote talks will help us as men to learn more about these habits and how we can develop and grow them so we can be true leaders for Jesus Christ and his missionary disciples who spread his love, mercy, peace, and joy. All attendees of the summit will receive a free copy of Making Missionary Disciples, courtesy of Focus. Men from all over the Archdiocese attended last year's summit and are feeling more confident about leading men's groups at their own parishes. The response of last year's summit was amazing. Men were impacted not only by the speakers but by each other, Donaldson said. Like last year, men will be seated at round tables and given time to pray, share, and discuss together what they are learning throughout the day. The goal of this summit and the Men's Leadership Alliance is to equip men as lay leaders at the parishes and empower them to start and lead their own small groups. Part of what we are working towards is a vibrant 
and growing men's small group in every parish within the Archdiocese, Brock Martin said. The Men's Leadership Summit is an opportunity for men from all around the Archdiocese to gather together, pray together, and be strengthened together. As baptized Christian Catholics, we are all called to be missionary disciples, Donaldson concluded. We shouldn't try to do this alone, though. Come to be lifted up and strengthened in your spiritual life and strengthened by your brothers. Men's Leadership Summit will be held Saturday, February 24th from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Queen of Vietnamese Martyrs Parish at 4695 North Highland Street, Wheat Ridge. Registration is $60. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chris Mahale. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777.